Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey guys, welcome to the I Don't Get It podcast. Today, the topic is airline crashes. Are you Plane in the crashes. mood for tragedy? Yeah, it's not going to be an upbeat one, but it's life. But it's also fascinating. It's fascinating because I think that in our original airplane um, episode, we talked about how we just cannot fathom. Like one of my ultimate I Don't Get It's for, from ne- now and until the rest of my life is how in the world... Are we five miles in the air and we are just cruising and we're comfortable. We're sleeping. We're watching movies. We are five miles in the air. Wait, five five miles doesn't sound not that. a lot. No, you're like way higher. 30,000 feet. Five, that, five miles. That's that incorrect. Five miles? That's very incorrect. What do you mean? No, it's not. See how one, high it is. Th- one mile it's is like 5,000 something something feet. It's 1,500 oh, feet. One thousand. No, it's 5,000 oh, feet. Oh, really? So, yeah. Five and six, so we're just five to yeah. six miles in the air? Roughly. Five oh. miles in the air is high. Think about what five miles from here. Right. That's like the 10. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's how high it is. It just doesn't sound like a big number, you know? So in my head, it doesn't yeah. be right. Yeah. So okay. Anyway, but because like, of that, but it's funny because Jared, when I came up with this podcast idea, he was like, I was writing down ideas in my notes. And he was like, Why would you do that? We're like in the airplane. We were in the airport, and he was like, No, no, no. And he was like, What are you doing? And I'm like, I just came up with a podcast idea that I thought would be kind of <laughs> interesting about plane crashes, but I didn't want you to look at my notes because he's super scared of flying recently. And here he is to explain why it was annoying me. First of all, I'm not super <laughs> scared of flying. I get a little nervous. But the thing, the reason I was mad was because you were sitting next to me on a plane right before we were about to take off, writing in your notes, oh, good podcast idea. People that survive plane crashes. <laughs> so you couldn't just wait. You couldn't do that until we were safely on the ground, literally right about to take off, that which is the worst me. part of an entire flight experience is takeoff for me at least. Because at least when you're Aww. descending, you're going towards the ground ascending because two times when we were ascending um or excuse me two times when we were descending on flights um we were about like probably five thousand feet in the air and the the pilot kicked in the engines and we started ascending again wow which was quite terrifying i have a question why are you so scared of flying why is he getting you love more... superman because <laughs> uh, i'm not superman and unfortunately if i'm in a plane crash i'm not flying out of there myself <laughs> jared i said it was because um Superman has the ability to fly. He is in control of flying, and you are not in control right. of flying the plane. Sounds like the there's a colonial woman on the wing. <laughs> that line could not have been better. <laughs> Can we just talk about this? We, Laura and I were going through a colonial phase. We were calling colonial swag. You guys, everything in the world. I remember you guys was wore colonial so many, swag. We talked about this already. Yeah, we colonial did. swag. Wait, but we gotta bring colonial swag back. Do I? I think you guys. We could. have to like wear puffy shirts and stuff and be colonial swag. Before we bring colonial swag back, though, um, Ashley found two people that survived um, a plane crash. One 
was in a plane, a private plane, and one was not. And then we're also going to talk to my dad one on was the pod. on the ground affected by a plane crash. Thank you, Lord. It happens to be the plane, a plane crash that affected more people on the ground than any other plane crash in America. That's like more casualties on the ground than, yes. than people in the air. And yes. then we'll talk to my dad because my dad was really sad. He's like, you have Ashley and Lauren's dad on the podcast. I want to come on one. So he'll come on and talk be- about survival tips and stuff. Because he was a pilot. Exactly. I, exactly. But he wasn't <laughs> a commercial pilot. What was he? My dad flew in the Air Force in the military and he did fly commercially after that for like a little. Really? Mm-hmm. Who cool. did he fly for? And that's, I don't know. And I feel so bad. I don't know. I think it was United, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I gotta like ask him. But that's a big reason why I'm like not scared of flying because like literally since I popped out of my mom's vagina, I've been like on planes and my dad's like like i'm also, i'm honestly fascinated by like flight and space i love it i think it's so cool cool it's so crazy. let's uh give our first yeah girl so- kelly shelly sorry yeah. shelly a call yes all right hey shelly welcome to the i don't get it podcast hi shelly thanks for coming on hi all right well today is we don't get plane crash day and i know that you have experienced a plane crash now it was a private plane right yeah, it was a small plane. And I saw the pictures that you sent me. It was basically crashed on the the side of a mountain. Tell me how it got there. Did you fall from the sky <laughs> or was it just a bad takeoff? Um, so the pilot was coming in to land and um, we did land for about a second. <laughs> and then the plane started skidding all over the runway we went over into the dirt and then back onto the runway. Um, I was with my parents and my dad has been a pilot since like he was 14. So he could tell something was very mm-hmm. wrong. Right. Um, we were going at a really fast speed. Um, and then we crossed over the numbers and the arrows at the end of the runway. And that was kind of when we realized this is really bad. <laughs> the airport was on a Mesa. So What's when that? you go... Kind of like a mountain with the top cut off. <laughs> so when you go off of it, you fly off a cliff. Um, oh my God. So we were going 21 knots over ref speed, which is basically really, really fast. Um, and we smashed through the chain link fence at the end of the runway and we flew off the cliff. Um, luckily, we managed to hit a wing on a tree and it spun the plane around and kind of wedged the plane um, into the side of the cliff and that stopped the fall. And then, um, we didn't die. <laughs> oh my um, God. Where were you flying from? And we were uh, about to take off. Yeah. But where, uh, where no, did we were, this we take were, place? We were landing. landing. Oh, you they were, were landing. landing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you really were like, tr- your speed must've been yeah. really high. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but where were you coming um, from? And like, what was the airline and... Uh, we were coming from California. Can't really talk about the company, yeah. but oh, um, interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, we were we were this. Several planes have come off of this cliff before, and I think everyone or almost everyone else has died. So, oh my gosh, the when, rescuers were really really shocked when they saw us. Wow, how would they keep that freaking landing thing on a cliff or a mesa? Um, normally it's okay, okay, but I think the pilot got a little cocky and just mm. was unwilling to, normally in flying, you just do a go around if your landing isn't quite right. So you just call the tower, you yeah. say, hey, I'm going to go around. 
and then you pull the nose up and you go around but this guy didn't um and so he almost killed me and my family and um he left the engines running the plane was leaking jet fuel um so my dad obviously having extensive aviation knowledge thought the plane would explode um and so he evacuated the plane. The pilot didn't do anything. Oh my goodness. I was trying to remember what I learned in first aid class and was trying to like check like the co-pilot who was having serious pain. My mom was like, oh honey, where are your shoes? Because she's a mom. Yeah. Oh my god. So everyone else on the plane was okay. Um my dad ended up going to the hospital the next day. Um, and he had serious internal bleeding and they said if it had been like a millimeter more, he would have just died. Oh my um, gosh. Car insurance can be so expensive. You're like, oh, I got a new car or like, oh, I have a car. So it's this much. Right. Right. But then you don't think about the gas, but then you really don't think about the insurance. That's like, what it, holy moly. I was literally sudden, looking at a car and I was like, I could do that. But yeah. I thought, oh no, wait, just kidding. I got to pay for insurance, which is like double the price of the car I pay for. Her. Yeah. Well, it's been reported that Americans are overpaying their car insurance by over $21 billion as like overall Americans. But searching for a better deal could take hours and typically result in like a lot of unwanted spam mail. And that was until now with thezebra.com. Thezebra.com is the nation's leading car insurance company comparison site. So like, you know how kayak is for airfare? Mm-hmm. That is zebra.com for car insurance. Zebra is the new kayak, everyone. Yeah, it's the only place where you can compare hundreds of policies from all the top carriers and choose which one is best for you. Plus, they will never sell your information to spammers so you won't get unwanted calls and just answer a few questions on a simple, fast form and they'll find you the best reach and coverage in your state. It's quick and easy, just an honest way to compare car insurance quotes from all the top providers at once. So if you go to thezebra.com slash get it, that is thezebra.com slash get it, spelled T-H-E-Z-E-B-R-A dot com slash get it, you're going to start saving on car insurance today. So as as your dad was a pilot, was he like yelling in the co- like yelling up to the cockpit being like what the <laughs> hell are you guys doing? Um as we were like skidding across the runway, I could just see his whole body get tense mm. and he put up his hand <sighs> and was like easy, easy. Oh um and so I was like shit, something is very wrong. <laughs> Um, and then when we smashed into the chain link fence and went over, I saw it all over his face. Like he completely thought we were going to die. So then, you know, I thought we were going to die. I just remember putting my hand up like towards the top of the plane to brace myself (laughs) if that was going to help me falling over a cliff. Um, I'm curious to know what was going through your head. Like what were, what thoughts were popping in your head? Like, were you thinking of someone in particular? Like, what were you thinking about when this was happening? I think it was just shock. Like, I mean, I was 19. Um, I just like finished, you know, a year of college and I was, I was shocked. Like, oh my gosh, I'm really going to die right now. And I wasn't religious at the time, but I remember praying and being like, hey, on the off chance that you're listening, (laughs) really want to not die right now. I feel like it happens really fast that you almost don't even have time to think. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. It's it's just desperation. Like there was nothing, nothing I could have done. Like 
my dad, if he was in the cockpit, could have done something, but like there was mm-hmm. no time to run up to the cockpit and change things. I think his yelling at the co-pilot came afterwards when he was evacuating the plane. The pilot wasn't leaving the plane. Wow. The pilot was making a phone call in the plane, like during an ex- like in an explosive environment. Oh my um, I why wonder- would he be doing that? Um, he was calling the company to say, hey, sorry, I smashed your $3.6 million airplane. Oh, why wouldn't he do that later? <laughs> I think he was in shock yeah, and, yeah. like, just being kind of an idiot. Um, but I, I just remember he was a my... new pilot. Yeah, no, do you know he how much he no? was Did you guys know him since your dad was a pilot? No, he was hired. He, he was a pilot for the company that we were flying with. And, um, yeah, he, he was a retired captain from a major airline. What did your dad fly? Um, my dad flew a variety of um, planes, including Citation 10, so, like, large private airplanes. Gotcha. Um, I'm curious. I'm always curious to know, like, when people have near-life death experiences, if you feel like you've changed after that experience, and if you have, how? Um, I think it was a strange time because being 19 no one else had really gone through that um people kept telling me you must have a purpose and I remember thinking like didn't you know that before I yeah <laughs> fell off the cliff um I, I don't think I I think like the biggest changes were feeling like the world was a little bit less safe um and then kind of taking back that control through taking flying lessons Mm -hmm. that summer I got my student pilot's license so I flew by myself um and that was pretty awesome to be like yeah this thing that almost killed me I'm (laughs) I'm back at it that's cool yeah I was gonna ask like how you feel about flying now and it's interesting that you decide that you had to take it into your own control yeah yeah and now I'm a clinical psych PhD student so you know we know that for people who have like trauma or anxiety, like going and doing the thing that's scary is is really helpful. You so are such a badass. That is like yeah. the most badass thing I've ever heard. Like yeah, I she survived a plane license. crash, so I got my pilot's license. And now I'm a clinical I'm gonna be a clinical psychologist. <laughs> um awesome. well because you treat people that have been do you have you treated people that have been through similar experiences? Yeah, definitely people who've been through um, near death experiences. I'm waiting for the day when somebody tells me they've been in a plane crash mm-hmm. and I can just think to myself, like, me too. <laughs> um, and totally understand what they've been through. I guess before we let you go, I want, I want to talk about like the physical symptoms that you felt. Like, we all know that when something scary happens, even if it's just like, honestly, this sounds silly, but it's just like something that I can relate to. Like, the dog running out of the house and, like, almost into the street. You know, like, your heart drops and, like, the adrenaline kicks in and you can all of a sudden, you're, like, more scared than ever, but then you're also running faster than you ever have. Like, how did your heart, your stomach, all, like, the nerves in your body feel? That's how I feel when I think I lost my phone. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so embarrassing. Um, I think it was all of those things. Yeah, like, classic fight or flight I mean my heart was beating um but I honestly like I don't think I had time to really notice any of that Mm -hmm. like it it happened so quickly um and then we were on the ground and then I still wasn't sure if the plane was gonna explode and kill all of us so it was just sort of like you know heart pounding like 
ready to run up this <laughs> or climb up this cliff. My mom had gotten me Tory Burch shoes and I had never had nice shoes before. So I'd been like waiting to wear them when I wouldn't damage them. Aww. And then of course, we're in a hill like, gasoline. Wow. Practices and stuff. So just, yeah, I, I, I don't remember as much of the physical stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's good to know that like some people are fight or flight and you definitely obviously are like, which one are you? Fight. What do you fight? mean? I think I'm fighter. I think I'm, I think I fight fight yeah yeah you're mm, like obviously know. a fighter but i think people just panic and cry and like aren't Less, like let well, me get out of here i can't think of anybody more than my mom that would just be the flight like she'd just be like just kill me i'd rather just die yeah. right now and like i can't handle this and right. yeah crazy um okay wait so does this person like do you think you understand what like a plane crash in which it falls from the sky would feel like after this <laughs> or is that still like the ultimate nightmare? Um I mean I feel like we weren't far off from that. Yeah. It didn't last as long wow. but yeah it was definitely like the falling sensation and like watching the plane like dip forward and then fall. Right. Um, like still watching like movies where cars go over things and fall into water or like plain nose dives like those still bring me back. Yeah, I guess I'm like imagining since you like a plateau, like a mesa or whatever you described, I'm imagining it being like a small dip, but like. I guess it was huge. <laughs> yeah. I'll send yeah. you a picture. Yeah, definitely send me a picture. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Shelly. Thank you. Nice talking. You're to you. you're a dope chick. Yeah, yeah. You're a badass. <laughs> Thank you. My like Thanks. idol now. <laughs> Bye. 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 What's crazy is that um one time I flew into Gibraltar. The Rock of Gibraltar is um like basically where is it? Um, I don't know. Is it in, oh my God, this was like so long ago, guys. I'm so sorry. It's either, it's, it's confusing because I think it's British territory, but it's in Spain. Okay. And it's like right at the end. But anyways, the airport is terrifying. If you guys Google image the airport, it's like literally where the rock is. And I remember thinking to myself, why did they pick here for the airport? I don't understand (laughs) a lot of places. I was so confused. I was like, what if we just like exactly what she was saying, go off the rails and just run into the rock? I feel like a lot of airports are like that. Um, I know that with the DCA with Reagan, Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be the worst runway for pilots it's supposed to be the worst runway or the worst yeah landing place for pilots because really they have the washington monument that they have to avoid oh god and then the water and then the water and Mm. then you like go from the washi over the washington monument all of a sudden you have to like dip down like to like skid over the potomac and then land it's like it's really weird like that uh many planes have landed in the water there's really there's been a couple yeah and That's then crazy. in Logan Airport is right on the water. And then JFK, it's like well, right onto the water. I guess you're coming from from fun above water then. And you got to yeah. land there. I mean, I always think of Sully, the movie Sully, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Hanks. Like, that was crazy. Yeah. Did you guys see that movie? Of course. It's so good. Wait, you didn't see it, did you, Lauren? No, I didn't see I it. I saw it with you, Naz. 
We saw. Oh yeah, we did. <laughs> we see it together. Yeah, it was. Oh, I remember you? you guys were going. I was like, "You sure you don't want to go?" And I'm like, <laughs> "I'm good." Yeah, it was so interesting that like his own the, the airline company was it American or United? I forget. They were like mad at him, and he was like on trial for it. And it was like this guy that yeah, saved yeah. all those Isn't that people. crazy? It's, so it's because crazy. it was like against protocol. Also, right. if you watch that Denzel Washington movie, it was all about like he was Flight. a chronic drinker. Flight. Yeah. And well, I never it's not saw based that on a true story, but it's like very similar to Sully because right. he landed the plane successfully. He like, like just saved shut the fuck up and be happy lives, it landed. But you he know? also was like supposedly his blood alcohol was yeah. drunk. He wow. was drunk at the time. Wow. But of course, the FDA in the movie goes after him because it was like, what, were they even supposed to have an issue in the right. first place? Yeah. I just hope no one's listening to this podcast right now on a plane. Oh my because God. I've thought about that. I'm a little, I'm a little <laughs> scared that, that a lot of people will be listening to it. It's going to run the holidays. You don't know where they're flying to. Because one thing that Shelly said that struck me as interesting is like, and it goes in, it goes through my head all the time, specifically on Space Mountain. is you know just the thought that like humans built everything and there is human error so like when you're on a plane 100 percent the pilot could fall asleep like he's a human if he didn't get enough sleep last night he could be tired well that's why my mom never wants us to take red eyes jared won't take red eyes for that reason too that's funny but Um, if they're only flight for the day they should have taken a nap before yeah i feel like red eyes are safer actually than someone that's like flying. I mean, whatever. It's I all know, early morning ones too. I'm like, are you sure you're awake right now? I'm not. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Um, but yeah, I don't know. When she said that, I was like, that is so scary. So I can't believe that she like overcame her fear that way. That's dope. Yeah, she's I've cool. But that's always... like the ultimate way to overcome your fear. Right. To conquer it, basically. I've always <laughs> secretly wanted to learn how to fly, but I have bad eyesight, so I would never be allowed to fly. My dad mm. was saying you have to have 20-20 vision, and I wear contacts, Naturally? so I can't. I think so. That's crazy. I think that's amazing. How do these pilots keep such good vision over their life? I'll always remember. And, I think that's a good um, rule. Little Miss, Shun- Little Miss Sunshine. Remember, all that kid wanted to do was fly a plight. Fly a plight, oh. you guys. Fly, fly, a, fly, fly. a plight. <laughs> and he couldn't because they figured out he was colorblind. Aww. Isn't that? That is heartbreaking, actually. Yeah, that's crazy. Robin Hood, everyone. Robin Hood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. I know it's intimidating starting to get into like stocks and stuff. I don't understand it. But Robinhood is basically investing for millennials. Yeah. Like it's easy. It's on your phone. And you don't have somebody intimidating you being like, you should put this much into this stock, this much into that stock. It's kind of like all up to what you feel comfortable with. Yeah. You just play around. You learn how you, you learn as you go. Yeah. So you know how I'm talking about like how there's no pressures because, you know, brokers can put a lot of pressure and be a little intimidating but that's the nice thing about Robinhood. there are no commission fees other brokerages charge up to ten dollars for every trade but Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees trade stocks and keep all of the profits that's like wacky why wouldn't everybody just just do uh, robin hood i do not know you learn by doing that's why i love it you learn how to invest as you build your portfolio you have custom notifications for price moving so you never miss at the right moment to invest so Robinhood is giving our listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at getit.robinhood.com. That's G-E-T-I-T dot Robinhood.com. 
Okay, guys. Well, right now we're going to call our last person, Steve. So this was... I, so when I scheduled this, I believe that he was in the pool. <laughs> they called it the Farrell's Ice Cream Parlor Crash. So Farewell's Ice Farrell's Cream, ice cream parlor, parlor Crash. And I was like, oh, okay. So maybe it was like a company had a lot of their people on this airplane that crashed. Lo and behold, it was actually a jet in a show, in an air show, that what? lost control and rammed into an ice cream place not one but two places one of them being an ice cream parlor filled with kids oh my god <gasps> no it was the highest um it was like the highest rate of fatalities on the ground as part of an airplane crash because about 50 people on the ground died <gasps> from this thing just blowing just through like it getting ice cream jesus so there, yeah, um, he was seven at the time, but he remembers it vividly, and his mom died. Was he in the ice cream parlor or I on the I believe plane? he was on the ice cream parlor. Okay, so he was standing. This is sad. Yeah. Wow. All righty. Okay, we have Steve on the line. Hello, Steve. Thank you for calling. So, Steve... I have now come to learn that the plane crash that you were involved in, you were not on the plane. You were in an ice cream parlor. Is that correct? That is correct. So I know that you lost your mom at the age of seven in this accident. Can yes. Is it so emotional to talk about or were you just so young that it's it's easier than you would have been if you were a little older? No, it, it's actually not a... Recalling the event is like recalling a scene in the movie because wow. it children children don't attribute a lot of the emotional scars that we get as adults because we don't see the events in the same way. An, an example, what, what was funny, and it really came into perspective on the 40th anniversary when uh, the firefighter burn unit, which was... Uh, came about because of one of the fire captains that was in the building with us that had passed and the fire department, the guys had gotten together and that's how they started the burn unit at UC UC Davis hospital. And what happened was, is there was another young, young man that was in the accident with me at this event. And he and I were talking about how we both had the same type of recall when we talked about the, the series of events mm-hmm. and it was it's just something that because we weren't we aren't tainted by at seven years old all of the other outside stuff that we would yeah. had we been older so and, can can you describe so that, that day for us and how you both recall oh, absolutely. it absolutely it was it was a it was a really beautiful day it was a sunny day september it was warm um our house was up for sale and my mom had um, been to Farrell's um, the week or two before. Mm-hmm. And so it was a family outing to get out of the house because the house was, um, they were doing the open house. So it was, a, it was a fun day. And when we got there, it was extremely crowded. The, the places, it was, um, it was like divided into thirds. And we ended up sitting in the center section. We were, so we were asked if we wanted to sit in the section that was actually the most 
affected by the plane crash. Wow. But we ended up sitting just one one on on an adjoining wall, but just on the other side. Life is so weird and, like that. Yeah, it's just it was really amazing how all this came about. And my mom insisted. So we, we sat in this other section. And what ended up happening, they they had a big drum and they did a lot of fanfare during during the meals and the ice cream and things. And so what ended up happening, it was almost there was a rumble and it was almost like like um, a major earthquake. Mm-hmm. And I, look, I remember at seven years old, I'm looking over at the drum going, well, they're not playing the drum. Yeah. You know, I thought this was odd. And then um, all of a sudden the, the, the um, shaking it, it became more severe. And then all of a sudden, poof. And the poof was is that when the plane, the, the, Go back to the to across the street. There was an air show, and Mr. Bingham, the pilot, had actually called the radio. They were going to send him on a runway to fly east and then circle around to go to San Francisco. And he says, "Oh no, no, no! I want to take this other direct flight air um, runway and get go just straight west." And they said, "Hold on, time out." They had a 15 minute powwow about whether or not the plane was was okay to, to take the a shorter runway. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, fine, the plane's rated, go ahead. And oh which was God. actually, this is where this gets interesting. There are some blessings that come along in this whole story. Okay. Is the, he, set up, he set up the plane wrong. You, you have flown all over the world, I'm sure. Oh, and so all you over understand. the country. <laughs> okay, all over the country. I'm giving you credit for the show <laughs> being more generous than they are. I was on the Americana so, season. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. So, but you have been all over the, the country and you've taken off over very, very crowded areas and you do a high-speed takeoff and you do a very steep, steep climb, mm-hmm. right? Right. And that's how he was supposed to set up the plane. But because he didn't set up the plane, he ended up porpoising down the runway, and he was never considered airborne. So this is actually the largest on-ground air air, um, air accident that is in the in the history. He never had, took off. No. What happened was, is he porpoised down the runway, kind of, you know, kind of bounced along, and which was a good thing because when he got to the end of the runway, he sheared off his fuel tanks, and that was the initial explosion that caused all the vibration. Mm-hmm. And then from there, he kind of went through the cars and into the building. Oh. The, re- the remaining fuel in the, in the building, that's what caused the poop. The, you know, things blew up. And so there was kind of a pause there for all of us in the building because what ends up happening is when it blows up, it kind of pulls oxygen out and everybody kind of gets through it. And then there's the aftermath. And the aftermath was kind of the calm not really calm, but I mean, there, the kitchen was on fire. There was real smoke in the building and it was really eerie, but all of a sudden now people have to do something. And I was sitting across the table from my sister, my older sister, Christy. And all of a sudden I thought we were talking, but because of the explosion, we couldn't hear. Mm. And all of a sudden she ducked down under the table and she pops up with one of the twins. Now, the reason why that's significant is because I was with my, my mom, my stepfather, and his two sons, 
and my two sisters. And we also had the two two little girls from down the street, Christy and Carrie, who were the flower girls in my mom and stepfather's wedding. Aww. So she reached down, she comes up with one of the twins. And all of a sudden she gets up and she's gone. And I'm like, holy crap, what about me? So I figure, okay, I've got to get out of here. And I've got this bench, you know, like one of those 90 degree corner benches behind me shoved up against the table. So I kind of scoop myself out. I look behind me and I find out years later what I saw is, do you remember watching Sully? Yeah. yeah we're, yes. If, if you ever saw the real footage in, of, of, of what happened when they were coming off the plane, all the adults looked like zombies coming out of the plane. Yeah. They didn't depict it so much in the movie, but in the raw footage, you could see it. That's what I saw with the adults as they were trying to gather themselves. And I'm like, these people, something's wrong. And so they're, they were all lining up being perfect school children and lining up at this little window. And they were breaking these slats out. And they were going to climb through the window to get to the front door. Mm-hmm. And I said, you guys are crazy. So I walked towards the fire, towards the kitchen, around the same wall, and I walked outside. And so I was kind of outside by myself. I walk out into this beautiful sunshine. It was real eerie quiet. And I'm just kind of waiting, looking wherever, wondering where everybody else is. Oh, my God. And so I know it was, it was really strange. So and your so entire family, to, you could, you didn't see them when you were at the, the booth anymore? You just not, You just left? No, because what happened, and I didn't know about this until years later, there are a lot of things I learned. But when there was the explosion and there's that big cone, how things blow up. Mm-hmm. A lot of the crap that was in the, sorry, I'm not supposed to, am I supposed oh, to you're allowed to say crap. Okay. Yeah, you sure. can curse. Okay. So what happens is, is a lot of the, the, the booth furniture table stuff that was in the place where the plane came in, when it blew up, it all blew over the top of us and it landed behind us. So, I mean, you talk about a miracle. Yeah. That a lot of us were, were saved because of where all this stuff landed. So that was all the stuff that I climbed over, and I didn't know this at the time. So, but anyway, as we were, as I was outside, everybody started coming out. The family started showing up. We started gathering up, and so we—they didn't know where to put the crowd. They didn't know how to, you know, and they knew that people were coming. And what was also happening is there was a um, a bowling alley down the down the way because this was all pre-development in this area Mm -hmm. and so there were people coming running there there were people that heard this up on the radio firemen and police that came over there people from the the air show came over i mean it was just a mass conversion onto the side to get help they were breaking windows Um, one sister got separated from us and she she actually went down she stayed kind of along the bench that we were sitting on and a, a man, a gentleman came over, broke the window, grabbed her out, and put her in an ambulance. We didn't know this until later, oh how goodness. this chain of events. So I got, we got my stepbrothers, uh, the, the, one of the twins, my sister, and my stepfather, and they put us all in one of those. And at the time, it was modern, but it was the old-style ambulances that we used to see in old movies. And they took us, everybody converged on the Sacramento Medical Center, which is now the UC Davis Hospital. And that was one of the, one of the, it was a significant issue later, but I'll bring that up in a minute. So anyway, and we, so we all got it. We ended up at the hospital and they, um, 
one one stepbrother and my sister had surgery because um, it, there's some disruption in an explosion that causes some internal damage they have to fix. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was fine. Um, everybody else was fine. The one of the the, the twin carried. I think her leg or arm was broken. Something. Um, but anyway, but we were all together. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. So when yeah. did you realize your mom wasn't going to come out? Well, that's that's where things moved along. Um, I was I had to go through surgery and felt really bad because I threw up on the floor and thought I was going to get in trouble. But not, not, I'm sorry, not surgery, but the x-ray because they put me on this table and they're spinning me around. is really cool, but I just got a little excited with the ice cream, I guess, oh and all the events. So, but when we got all back together, they took us down into the basement and they set up the basement and they started, you know, putting families down there. So we were all together. Um, I don't know how long we were there before they came in, but my uncle and a priest and uh, an official came in and they talked with my stepfather and confirmed that my mom had died. And um, then they told us. And then what happened for me is, you know, I started to cry and I hear my mom's voice in my head. You know, big boys don't cry. So, you know, so I laid down and I um, ended up waking up three days later. It was kind of like one of that that movie, um, one of the Grisham movies where the little boy at the beginning goes into that catatonic state. And so anyway, so I kind of, you know, disappeared for a couple of days. Um, not not anything bad, but it was just the, the emotional mm-hmm. impact. Yeah. So ended up where you know they had the funeral i didn't get to go that was one of the things that was kind of bad i didn't really deal with for many years until later yeah but over the years what i found out and this is what i wanted to get into where you know i can talk about this it's not i'm not attributing any emotion to the event because it was purely an event but there was a lot of good that came out of this the firefighter burn unit sacramento sac city was on the leading edge of mass casualty, um, how to handle mass casualty events in the, you know, things that they learned from that event are things that were implemented all the way through up to things like the World Trade Center, Mm -hmm. bringing the medical teams to the scene and things like that, distributing people throughout the city instead of overloading one hospital. So there was a lot of good things that happened. And I also found out 40 years later that there was a lady that was sitting on the same bench that we were, but on the opposite side behind this little partition. And the firefighters were in on their third tank of air and they found this lady there and she had survived. She had very little smoke inhalation, but she was still in shock, but she survived because of where she was. It just happened to be where we were collectively. That was a pretty safe place. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he told me, and I don't know if this is one is an urban legend or if it's something that, but he's, he told me that, at the, at the peak of the cone that was up near the, the hole in the roof, they found a baby that was alive. Oh, my goodness. So, so there were a lot of 
things when you look back on this that we would say, oh my God, you know, how horrible, how horrible, or what a, what a, you know, how, how bad this pilot was. But there were a lot of things that um, were actually came, there were some good things that happened in through the event. Hey, so Steve, was, did your, yes. um, did your mom pass away from the impact or from a fire? No, she didn't burn, but it was more from the impact. What happened, she was at the end of the bench in the opening to the to the next room. And when she fell, she fell over and then the debris on top of her um, were, was what really caused the severe injuries that took her life. Mm. And they wouldn't have been able to get her out of there and save her. Mm. I, I, I read the autopsy and I I know that there wasn't any way that she was going to survive. Steve, and I feel like you have such a positive, like the way you speak about this experience, obviously there's like nothing you can do, but you kept saying things like so many blessings came out of this experience. And I'm just like, I mean, this type of thing just like stays with you forever, right? Like I bet you're just constantly well, finding things out. Like you were saying 40 years later, you found out about that woman. Like how has this affected who you are now and like how you view planes and just things like that. It, it, it's funny. I'll talk about the planes first. I love airplanes. I didn't know this. There was a, there was a legal action that followed for our, for our family. Um, and when we went to the attorneys, I remember sitting outside and I'm sitting in this airplane thinking, boy, this is cool. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't understand why my stepfather and my sister were thinking this was the dumbest thing that they were sitting here watching. But I didn't know. I, mm. I didn't understand all of the the aftermath, and they didn't really. We didn't really get into um, attribute the plane as being evil. You know, it was just an event, mm -hmm. and it was an accident. And then you want to fast forward. Let's talk about nine eleven. These people were targeted. You had people that were behind the the controls of an airplane that slammed into a building, and so they were out to get and to just to kill the people that were in there. And this gentleman, um, Mr. Bingham, that was the pilot, that was not his intent to hurt yeah. anybody. He did not slam into this building out of spite. It was an accident. And putting that in perspective that way and being able to forgive him, because I've met somebody who was from the Vacaville area, and there's a place over there called the Nut Tree. It's an airport. And they said he was like a ghost there after the accident I mean, and really lived a dismal, well, he'd lived a dismal life because of the guilt, how guilt ridden he was. Wow. And so he took that with him to his grave. Yeah. yeah it's almost and, like that's the prison sentence. Oh, absolutely. Right. Crazy. Right. And it was, it was purely an accident. He didn't have a lot of skill. He didn't have the um, training to, set the plane up properly to be able to do a short takeoff like he needed to. Um, and, it, you know, he didn't know. You know, we didn't, we, you know, we can look back and say, well, he should have, but he didn't. And it's just, you know, it happened. Um, but I also had the good fortune that I went on and I worked for the Sacramento Police Department. And so I met a lot of officers that had spent time guarding the bodies, guarding the scene, um, had responded and actually been in and out of the building, saving lives. And so 
I had the good fortune of, I even went through where that building was abandoned for a while mm-hmm. before the city took over. And I walked through that building alone. And um, so I've had a lot of things that I've been able to experience that most people have never encountered in their time, in, in their healing and their, their discovery of, you know, some of the finer details of what happened. Well, this has just been fascinating. And your outlook is unbelievable. It's inspiring. You are a very positive man. And it's really nice to hear from people like you. Thank you so much, Steve. I hope you had fun. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. You know, I, I understand why people get the fear. And I understand why they have the disruption in their lives. And I've had it. I mean, I've had um, relationship issues. I've had alcohol issues. I've had things that have really um, affected me, but there are, there are ways of dealing with that and healing with that. And that's where it's been, like I said, you know, good fortune of, of being able to work through and learn so much about how to see the, the positive and things and the goodness that has come of all this. Thank you so much, Steve. That was beautifully put. Thank you, Steve. All right. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you some other time. Absolutely. Appreciate your time having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. You guys, I know you've heard enough about the fact that Laura and I are very shocked that we're only like 16% Italian. It's wacky. My dad has been talking about it because he's at our grandmother's this weekend. He's like... Yeah, grand, you know, he's like grandpa who obviously like had German dad. and English in him and yeah. yeah, his dad. It's it's so crazy. It's such a good conversation to have it with is, your you, family. Yeah, if you guys ever dread going to like a Christmas, Thanksgiving, whatever <laughs> dinner with your family, y'all get 23 me's and talk about how shocked you are of what you are. <laughs> Because you'll so never not have accurate. something to talk about. And it's not like you just talk about your heritage. You can also talk about all these other things that are in your DNA. Like there's a lactose intolerance report. Almost everyone is born with the ability to digest dairy products, but most people lose that ability as they age, like my dad was one of them, and they become lactose intolerant. Um, but did you know that you have a genetic variant that help, that makes you unlikely to be lactose intolerant? That is actually super interesting, and you can find that out with 23andMe's Lactose Intolerant Report. There's like a whole other things, like one about caffeine consumption, another one about muscle composition, and then, ooh, this is going to... Pr- a lot of people are going to be interested in yeah. this one. This is genetic, the genetic weight loss report with 23andMe. You can discover if your genes are going to predispose you to way more than the average person. Than the average person and um, other unique insights in, in, into your healthy habits and how they have an impact on how much you're going to weigh. So nuts. So nuts. So I wonder what you guys will discover about yourself with 23andMe. Buy your 23andMe health and ancestry kit today at 23andMe.com slash get it. That's the number 23andMe.com slash get it. Again, that's 23andMe.com slash get it. So we got Naz's dad on to tell us she, he's a pilot. Uh, he can tell us <laughs> uh, things on how to survive a plane crash. And here he is. Yeah. So <laughs> I want to get my dad on the podcast. Dad, obviously you were a pilot and you flew for many years. And we just talked to a bunch of people that survived a plane crash. But we want to know, like, what 
do you do if you're on a plane and the plane's going down? That's a superb question. And it's something that may indeed save someone's life. So I take it very seriously. There is credibility behind what I say. It's uh, not beating my own drum, but a graduate of survival school and also one of about 1,100 people at the time that graduated from the National Search and Rescue Yes, Dad, we know how amazing you are. You birthed me. Let him (laughs) give his credentials. So the single... The single, the single most important thing to recall, the single most important thing is the likelihood of getting rescue is near 100% the first 24 hours. After that, it degrades substantially. That is, if you don't get rescue within the first 24 hours, the likelihood is very good that you won't be rescued for several days or weeks. Oh, great. You That's may, making I mean, everyone feel so much what's, better. What's that movie with uh, Kate? Uh, yeah, uh, The Mountain Between Us. Mountain Between Us. I can only hope to be in a plane crash no. with, uh, what's his name? No. <laughs> Sexiest Man Alive. Idris Alba. Idris Alba. Idris Alba. All right, continue. Sorry. Now, this, is, this has actually saved uh, people's lives. The most important piece of equipment immediately after... You get your injuries treated and, and, and your surroundings, your bearings, and your situation settled is not fire for heat. It's not water. It's not food for sustenance. It's a mirror. And listen to that very carefully. A what? This a mirror. Has been proven in case after case, study after study. A lady's usually cosmetic mirror. The mirror is the single most important thing the first 24 hours. Later on, you can worry about water. You can worry about sustenance. Oh, like first, like a bat signal, like to to reflect it in the sun. They have demonstrated, uh, especially out west where you folks are at, uh, Vegas, Arizona, those places, that you can see a vanity mirror or you can see a piece of glass reflected for well over 100 miles. And that could be the difference. That is yeah. really interesting, Dad. A hundred miles. I have a question. What if I'm, I'm more interested in like you're on the plane and it's going down? Like, what do you do? Obviously, you grab the oxygen mask. Like, can you give us? Yeah. I mean, I know you've never uh, again, been in that based situation. On facts only, and uh, most most aviation accidents are survivable. Of course, depends on the degree, the type of accident that's occurring. Uh, in flight, you know, structural damage, something catastrophic to the aircraft is usually not survivable. You're falling out of the sky. But uh, many of the accidents that occur occur uh, usually on landing or on takeoff, and they are survivable. Again, based on just credible facts and the history uh, of these things, Fortunately, in aviation, they out-engineer, they out-train, they out-design, they out-build, they out-assemble the accidents that occur. So there has been no new accident since 1948. Hmm. In other words, every accident that occur is a repeat of something else that happened before. But, but for example, if it's a core engine part, uh, Pratt & Whitney, a major manufacturer, General Electric, Rolls-Royce, the people who manufacture the engines, the jet engines, will out-design or out-engineer the part. Now, as far as... When you say out, that means they uh, don't make it anymore. No, in other words, if it's a core engine part, 
that failed, then they either thicken it or they reposition it or made it out of another metal. They always, if it's something to do with human error, they out-train it in uh, the simulator. They teach pilots something right, else. You follow it. what I'm saying? Yeah. In other words, they correct it in aviation because it's very, very crucial, very critical. What something, about again, that will save lives. If you are on a commercial jet, if you're on a commercial jet, again, sticking with the term uh, survivability, a lot of the accidents are survivable. In a commercial aircraft, you get briefed in the first moments uh, flight that there are seven or more exits. And this has been proven, unfortunately, in uh, fatalities. Uh, everyone, uh, especially a, a smoking cabin or fire, will assemble at the door that they came in from. So everybody has that psychology that they enter one door just like you're entering your home and you need to leave out of that door. And people forget that there's seven other, you know, there are pop-it exits that you can pull I out, don't forget. You know? I always look for my closest exit <laughs> before we take off. <laughs> Good for you. Good Thank for you. you. Yeah, Good Jared for you. reads the pamphlet every time we take off, every seven days. <laughs> I've been on a jillion planes. I've never paid attention to what happens I don't even know where the... I know the flotation device Jared is under the seat. I know what he's going to say. The flotation it, device isn't always under the seat. Sometimes it's the pocket next to your seat. Jared? And certain doors open certain ways. For example, yeah, when you're in the exit window, sometimes when you pull on the latch, the door flips open. Other Good times, point. there's no Good flipping rabbit. So I want to know which door it is. God forbid if I'm ever in that situation. So I can immediately get to that door and know exactly how to open it. And fling your body If out I'm the in the exit row, I always see how you... Uh, get the turn this is what i love about you guys show you guys actually do a community service you have relevant (laughs) and tangible things that people can use in their lives you know Uh, something else that that comes to mind really quick uh unfortunately a few people uh it's so sad to, to hear and i know we're talking about things that are negative but um when you exit an aircraft, sometimes uh, the fire trucks will start foaming just to prevent sparks or fire as they approach, and people get lost in the foam. Well, I remember we used to train everyone, if you can if you can determine the direction of the nose of the aircraft, uh, meet 300, 500 feet in front of the aircraft if you're able to make it out there. In other words, pick a singular point. That's something that's not brief or taught in the civilian sector. In civilian, the slides come out and uh, everybody just goes in every direction. And right, like there's never like a meeting get, point. Right, they get killed by the fire trucks, unfortunately. No crash. Yeah, that that has happened. It happened to this the foam uh, poor, can kill poor you? Korean girl who was a missionary here. Not long ago, there's, uh, I forgot, you can Google it, but uh, it happened out. Uh, West out in California. Can you, since we don't, Dad, you're the best. What a wealth of knowledge. Um, can you give a little quick tips? Like I was telling them that you told me the the part if you sit near the wing or on the wing in the plane, that's like the safest part of the plane. Are there other little quick tips like that? You can share that with us? That's correct. And we we when we fly because again you're you're talking about survival. Most accidents are survival. Not all, but most are. Uh, you want to sit uh, at the cross, uh, in other words, seats uh, 8 through 13, whatever they are, in most commercial jets, because that's structurally the most 
hardened part of the aircraft and or in accident after accident uh, survivability has been high in in that range in other words over the wing over the okay. wing Jared, I think that you're going to be booking only rows 8 through 13 from now on. <laughs> yeah, it makes so much sense. All right, Dad. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Dad, you're the best. I love you. You've never been on our show yeah, before. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful to show say, you way, guys. Uh, it's very uh, nice ask me something more positive next time and we'll have, uh, you know, a better time. <laughs> My dad wants to but be on a more positive podcast. Okay. Okay. All okay. of that is uh, it's good stuff to know, you know. All right, hold on. Jared wants to say something. Certainly. Oh, no, I just wanted to say it's very nice to meet you and you raised a wonderful daughter. <laughs> Jared, you're so nice. Oh, you're the best. Thank you so much. Uh, you guys are, are a blessing. You truly are. I keep you always in in our prayers, you know, and Aww. thank you for for being in NASA's orbit. You know, it's a blessing to, I like to that have you. Uh, in orbit. Uh, I can't sound, wait to come healthy people with, with good Good, good intentions, you know, and, and that's a wonderful thing, mate. God continue to bless all of you Aww, and all of your listeners. You. I'm going to cry. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Love you, Daddy. I love you, too. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. And, Ashley, thanks for putting it together. We obviously know this is a sadder podcast, but it's also obviously sad things happen in life. And it's, it's honestly fascinating when people survive things like this. Uh, I I I learned from my mis- I learned from life. I should have made this more of a survival podcast and less of a. Well, my plane dad crash helped with some one. tips. Yeah, yeah. I'm so happy my dad finally met Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Quote unquote. He's a really t- yeah. Jared, Jared, do you want to come here and talk about your plane experiences? We, All we right, will wrap, wrap it up here. Thank you for listening. Rate, subscribe, review, and join our. Facebook group and the I Don't Get It podcast on Instagram and follow me on Instagram and tell me what you thought. All right. See you next week. Bye. 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 I Don't Get It podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Wave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy podcast, I Don't Get It, Babes and Babies, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It.